Welcome to Transition of Style, the podcast that explores the ways in which personal style and gender identity meet with host Phil, a.k.a. Corinne. Transition of Style is produced by Fashion Consort with music provided by Sarah FM. Welcome back to Transition of Style. In this episode, we talk to host, producer, and journalist Alex Berg. Before we dive into this week's episode, we want to thank you, the listener, for supporting Transition of Style. Without your support, we wouldn't exist. So please tell your family and friends to listen in and subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. And while there, please leave us a review as it helps us to reach more listeners. If you want to donate, please visit our show page at transitionofstyle.com and look for the donate button. If you're a queer business looking to sponsor or advertise on this podcast, please do so on our contact page as we'd love to include you. And now, this week's episode. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Transition of Style. Today I have with me a fantastic person, Alex Berg. What is going on? Hello. I am so happy to be here with you. Oh, my God. What a pleasure, Alex. Awesomeness. Indeed. So excited. For those of you who don't know, Alex and I co-host another podcast called I'm From Driftwood. We just wrapped up the first season of that. And if you have not heard it, please come check it out. It's an incredible project. And it is such a pleasure to have Alex as my co-host on that project. It's so fun. First of all, I just have to say, I'm stoked to be here talking to you about this. It's been so cool to get to know you through the context of I'm From Driftwood because that show really focuses on unpacking like LGBTQ stories, all different aspects of LGBTQ plus folks' lives. But I am so just true. so down to talk about style. Yes, yes. I knew I had to have you on for this. I was like, <laughs> who do I need? Alex Burke, 100%. Need to make that happen. And I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> so happy. So before we go into anything, I want to ask you, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she and her. I also don't mind if you are using they from time to time. Okay, great. Good to know. I didn't know that. And I'm really happy to know that you can get a little switchy on that. That's very yeah. nice. Yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Okay. Or I feel like in just a neutral context of folks, when I use they, I feel like I try to incorporate it when I don't know folks' yes. pronouns. So yes. Yes. I'm, I'm cool with that. I have also used it as a fallback, but also very careful that the person that I'm referring to, I'm like, is it okay? And sometimes they don't mind. Sometimes, you know, I have to get told. So I'm like, please tell me. I want to know the things. I am 100% there with you. I want to know the things too. <laughs> me too. So listen, can you give me a little rundown on your background and family history? Tell me a little bit about you. Yeah. So I am, as you mentioned, um, a host producer and journalist for uh, about the past decade. I've covered national news, LGBTQ plus issues, stories uh, about women and non-binary folks' lives um, for an array of different kind of outlets, um, mostly on video. I grew up in Philadelphia and I feel like an important feature of my identity is just being a Philly kid. I love Philadelphia so much. I'll tell you a little bit about my family background yeah. as well. So I grew up in Northwest Philly, which is an area that is like a lot of former activists, hippie types live there. And my parents are educators. And it's just a neighborhood that I think really emphasizes social justice and progressive values. I'm an only child. Make of that what you will. And one really big thing about, I think, Growing up, I have a really tight nuclear family with my parents. One, I think, important feature of my family is that I come from an interfaith background. So my mom's family is Catholic. My dad's family is Jewish, something that is really 
important to me and, and something that definitely we talked about a lot when I was growing up was Jewish values, Judaism, and also our family history coming from a background of immigration. My great-grandfather immigrated over here in the early 1900s from Eastern Europe at a time of really intense, violent anti-Semitism. So that's just also a big a big piece of my identity. I think it has informed a lot of the kind of work that I do, a lot of the kinds of stories that I like to tell. Um, a lot of my work just focuses on amplifying voices that tend to be more And I say the word amplified with so much intention because I think a lot of times we hear journalists say, we're giving voice to the voiceless and everybody has a voice. What a ridiculous, condescending thing to say to people. So that's my background. A lot of those experiences, I think, really informed the work that I do today and how I see the world. On a personal note as well, I would say... I am a lifelong athlete, which and oh, I'll no kind of tie this, yeah, which I'll tie this all together into how it impacts my sense of style. I'm a lifelong athlete, so I grew up doing gymnastics pretty intensely, and now I play roller derby, and <laughs> as you know, and I think from the time I was pretty young, my family, given that my parents were more liberal, they really encouraged me to experiment with style. At the same time. Because I did gymnastics, gymnastics is a sport that is incredibly parochial about body image and its standards around beauty. And I think that where that came in, even though I was really always experimental with my style and had a really clear sense of fashion from a super young age, gymnastics pretty much gave me a degree of body dysmorphia in terms of really struggling with body image because gymnastics wants you to be super feminine, super skinny, and really rewards those kinds of bodies um, Mm -hmm. in competition. And so that was something that I think really impacted me. And I think later on about the kind of clothing I thought I could wear Mm -hmm. or should wear. Mm -hmm. And getting into style from the time I was really young, I remember having a really, really obsessive need to control my clothing. Like my parents tell me stories about when I was three years old and... Wait, this started at three? (laughs) Yes, yes. When I was three years old, my parents tell me I was trying to put makeup on And also they tell a particular story about a yellow t-shirt that I had with a pocket. And from the time I was young, I didn't want pockets or zippers or buttons. And I threw the most epic fit over having to have a pocket in my shirt that they cut it out, which judge my parents for being indulgent of such an unruly toddler. But I can remember from a really young age having just such a strong sense of like needing to control my own clothing. I remember once they tried to make me wear a blue denim skirt to summer camp. And I was like, I am not wearing blue. At that age, tell me why you were so adamant about, no, I'm not doing that. I think from the time I was so young, I remember feeling so aligned with feminine clothing and feminine stuff. And it's so interesting to me when you hear these conversations from conservatives about how you shouldn't push gender on kids or push identity on kids. And it's like, I felt that way so strongly and so had internalized I think so many messages around femininity already Mm -hmm. by the time I was that young that -hmm. those things felt right and I also think for me as well there's like an element of control and autonomy that just emerged from a really really young age about wanting to control my clothing nowadays I'm like I like a pocket it's very practical (laughs) you gotta put your keys somewhere come on seriously (laughs) do you feel like any of that came from either of your parents or was that just you I mean, 
You know, my mom's family is from South Philly, and they're all about big hair, bold makeup, <laughs> big earrings. And so definitely, so I feel like some of that comes from my mom and just like being exposed to those kinds of images. But my parents were really cool about, within reason, allowing me to kind of wear whatever I wanted to wear and really experiment with clothing. And I remember like in my early teens, finding some of my old dad's jeans from like the 70s and cutting them up and making them into skirts. And my parents always really encouraged me to find that kind of creative outlet. Mm -hmm. I also remember growing up when other kids would be watching Saturday morning cartoons or something. We had the Style Channel, which is now... Oh my goodness. This started early. <laughs> this started early, yeah. Which is now Bravo Television, which that is a whole other conversation <laughs> about how that channel has transformed. But I remember I would like watch runway shows just as a little kid. Wow. And I just enjoyed watching runway shows for the fashion. And then when I was in high school, I actually designed and sewed my own prom gowns. So... Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. drawing up a parallel between what you wore, what you wanted to wear, and your autonomy. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to talk about that a little bit, because it sounds like you were using clothing to really make a statement about, I know who I am, even mm -hmm. at a young age, mm -hmm. and I don't want to be told. I don't want to be swayed one way, one way or the other. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Like, where did that come from? Gosh, where did that come from? That is such a good question. I mean, I think that it was actually having, just being a very strong-willed person. Maybe it's my Taurus vibes. I'm extremely stubborn. <laughs> but also just having this idea of who I was in terms of femininity and the kind of style I wanted to convey in the world and really knowing that I felt good in those clothes. At the same time, I think that there was also a tension because of some of the pressure I got around body image, because of the pressure that we all get around heteronormativity and race and what we learn is conventionally attractive. I think there was also a lot of tension to conform and pressure to conform as well and even assimilate to a certain mm -hmm. extent to mm -hmm. like some of those values at the time. I think in high school, I did get a little bit more trendy wearing clothing that showed that I was part of like an in-group of people. But yeah, I always, I think I felt this very strong sense of wanting to have that control and that sense of autonomy and independence. And I also think that was really informed by like the era of which I came of age in the 90s. There were all of these like really badass, fierce girl groups. I'm sitting here, of course, in a Spice Girls t-shirt, but there was also like, yes. like TLC and yes. like Riot yes. Girls. And in the early 2000s, I really, I remember seeing like Destiny's Child and the Tina Lawson matching outfits and those matching sets made such an impact on me. I love those so much. They're like a little bit whimsical, but really bright and like make such a statement. So I think it just connects to so many different things and being influenced by the fashion of the time and also the messages saying like girl power, you know, yeah. be empowered, be yourself. And then also weighing that against um, the sport that's actually quite oppressive around body image and then just also larger pressure to conform with the world. Yeah, that's a very interesting line to walk. It makes me wonder, what were your friends like at that time? So you're you're coming up in the 90s, you're right, where there were a lot of girl groups, the TLCs, like all, you know, the Invokes, all these different groups that, you know, I'm thinking about R&B because mm -hmm. that's where I was at the time. But what were your friends like? Were your friends also expressing their autonomy with their clothing and with their style? They yeah. definitely were. Like, I, I had a pretty creative group of friends. Like, I remember always being friends with people who were also artistic or, you know, either into actual making art or being very expressive with their bodies. Like I can remember going to dance classes and stuff with my classmates, people who were just like very expressive. And then one of the other things too, is I actually, I went to a Quaker elementary school 
Ooh, I'm from Philly. Yeah. Quakerism is like pretty big in Philly. There are a ton of friend schools. And the school that I went to really encouraged children to be creative and explore. I think it was a less confined educational environment. And so I also think there's a huge piece of that. And that really encourages everyone to like come as you are and be yourself and explore and be creative. And so I definitely think that my friends, I mean, please, would I be friends with someone who was not a Spice Girls stan? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I remember all these moments where like now that 90s fashion is coming back. I remember going with my friends, like we all had to have those like chunky Steve Madden shoes, you know, and it was like, so everybody was kind of on the same page about a lot of that stuff. What does it feel like to see something coming back around? Like, I'm old enough to see several things coming back around. <laughs> so I'm just curious for you. What's it like? Because you start to think about your mortality when that happens. Uh, You're like, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> I, oh, gosh. It's so weird. Like, with these trends that are reborn in new iterations, I always have a pattern where at first, for the first three months, I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not going back to that. Like, we already did it. No, thank you. And then three months later, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll, like, get some scrunchies and, like, chunky sneakers. You know, I'll do it. I, I have to say right now, seeing a lot of the 90s nostalgia is actually, like, really comforting because, yeah. it you know, it brings me back to both when I was a kid and less cognizant of what was happening in the world and then also just different presidential administration, oh, not in yes. a pandemic, you know, it brings me back to a different time just being a kid and, you know, not having adult responsibilities. So there's something that I find comforting about it. I actually like really, really love 90s fashion in general, I feel like compared with like, okay, early 2000s, we've seen some of those like juicy couture, velour mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. outfits come back. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know. I used to wear those. I don't know if I can get on board again with those. But like, <laughs> you say that now, but wait, I, remember I, this? I, yeah, this seriously. Period. If, like... if I show up ever in a Zoom call with you and I'm wearing one of those, drag <laughs> oh, me. But I feel like that some of the 90s stuff I feel like has aged really well. Like the little, some of the little baby doll dresses with like sneaks, like oversized sweatshirts and t-shirts. So I'm on board with that. I kind of love it. And you know what? You're making me understand why, for some reason, I'm very into 90s R&B right now. And I'm okay. like, why is it? You're right. No pandemic, different administration, time of comfort. It was just a more comforting time. Is it, just, bring, is it like soothing you? Like, is it making I think you, it you just is. started listening to it again? I'm like on an SWV train right now. I can't Ooh. stop it. Also, that music has stayed so, it's like still so good. It you is, know? It's, it's so, so good. Yeah. Thank you for helping me figure that out. I had no idea. I was like, why am I doing this right now? <laughs> but I just had to go with it. I was like, I'm there. I'm doing it. I got, I got to do this. You know, on this podcast, quite often we talk a lot with people who are usually navigating identities that are not very, you know, heteronormative. They're identities that usually come with some level of strife in terms of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. They have to figure out how to wear clothing that is not typically clothing that they were handed as a child, right? And I'm listening to you talk about understanding your femme style. And, you know, it's really mm -hmm. no different. We want to talk about the differences, but there's a lot of commonality there in that you knew what your identity was. You were very sure of it. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to make sure that what you wore and what you put on your body really reflected that. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to point that out just because we can get so into the identity and how the identity is hard to navigate, but there's still a thing of a person 
understanding what their identity is and wanting so badly to make sure that what they're wearing, mm -hmm. what they're putting on their body, how they're representing themselves falls in line with that. And even though it may be something that isn't outside of what society thinks is right or wrong or is weird, there is still a thing that goes along with it. And I really want to like point that out. I want to yeah. point out how important that is. I, I love that you are pointing that out because I think a lot of time, especially with femme identity and, you know, something we've certainly talked about before is yes. that a lot of times people don't think of femininity as if you are a cisgender woman, they don't think of it as an identity or they don't yes. think of it as it's just very erased. And so for me, I think something that's been so important as I've really come to embrace being a femme and what does that mean is that my femininity is so intentional and it's trying to convey a specific message to the world about who I am. And I think that obviously I'm sitting here with these like little tiny bang haircut that's kind of <laughs> retro. It's like, you know, I'm trying to kind of raise my queer flag high in a way through my the clothing that I wear to be yes. like, okay, like maybe I'm quirky or loud or more whimsical or my fashion is different than what uh, more heteronormative vision of femininity would be. To me, there's like this reclaiming that can happen in a way that like, you know, femininity, if you are a queer femme, it can be transgressive too. And I think that that's something that really gets erased. Of course, I do think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, there is both while we can be erased in queer spaces, we do have a degree of privilege in terms of people and safety of moving through the world where people do think that um, we're straight and other folks may not have that. But but I do think that, you know, I'm so proud of being a femme. I love being a femme. I love being in community with other femmes. I love when we get to talk about how our style is like a form of flagging our identity. So yeah, so I just, the way that you put that, it just so resonated with me. I could do maybe two or three episodes on them erasure because I feel so strongly about mm -hmm. that. And I honestly, I'm afraid to go there because I'm like, I will go there. <laughs> go <laughs> and, there. And we have to go to Do break it. in a minute. And I have to tell you, <laughs> I, I think maybe after break, maybe we'll, we're going to go into that. Okay. Before we do all that, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think your style and way of dressing communicates your identity? I think we know what the answer is to that. I think that it does. I hope that it does. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hold okay. on that for a minute because we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to really talk more about that. And we're definitely going to go to Femme Erasure. We have to go there. Yes, please. So, so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. This week, I want to give a shout out to an awesome non-binary and queer-owned clothing company called Playout Apparel. They are a gender equal social good enterprise that donates 20% of their profits to LGBTQ plus and BLM organizations. Check out playoutapparel.com and find ethically made, super comfortable underwear and loungewear in a variety of sizes. On Instagram, you can follow them at playoutnyc. Okay, so Alex, before the break, you said that you felt like your style did communicate your identity. Tell me more about it. So I feel like my style is, there are so many different aspects of my style that I hope communicates my identity. So I identify as, I'll just, I'll talk a little bit about my identity as Please. well. Um, I identify as bisexual, I identify as queer, and I identify as a femme. And for me, the word bisexual is really important because it's, you know, 
I, I also identify as pansexual. Like there are so many amazing expansive terms that probably would encapsulate who I am. The reason why I, I use the term bisexual is because it's very accessible. I come from a very like working class extended family background for them. They haven't gone to like a gender studies class to know what the term bisexual means. And so for me, it's super important because it's a term that just about everybody knows. You generally get the gist of what the person is saying and how they identify. And for me, it means that I'm attracted to people of my own gender and their gender, whatever gender that may be. So for me, that bi, the duality is me plus them, not just, you know, I believe there are an infinite number of genders beyond the binary so absolutely queer to me is a very political term because there's like such a reclaiming of who you are and and that you're using that term intentionally and then of course femme we talked about femme and one thing I would just also add about you know like my femme identity is that I think it's important to note that I'm talking about this from a, a cis experience because for me when I go out in the world you know the way that people are perceiving me is as like a cis heterosexual person that that may be a different experience for gender non-conforming non-binary yes. and trans femmes and I just think that's important to to know that's a big part of my identity and and just a piece of how I experience being femme in certain spaces and you know if there's ever a part two or three or why or, not uh, or 400 why level not? you know we'll, we'll, we can we can talk all about that you know there is privilege within femme identity but I digress so for me I think that my style really tries to convey all of these things so definitely one kind of femininity I really identify with is hard femme, which is like, I always say like a femme who looks like she's just gotten off her motorcycle. So a lot of times <laughs> I will, I wear a lot of like pleather and like moto jackets. And there's something that's like, I don't know, whenever I think of like the first bi activists I ever saw, they were all kind of in that style. So for me, that to me, that's like a little hat tip to like, you know, when I think of like, the, the lesbians and dykes and bi women of yore, I think of like, you know, that moto jacket to me. So that's definitely one it. thing. Who knows if the rest of the world is thinking that, probably not thinking that hard about, you know, walking around. I feel like mo- motorcycle jackets are very popular. Who knows? Well, well you know, I so. would say this. There's a part of communicating your style through your identity that is very personal. It's like how you see yourself, you yes. know, as opposed yeah. to how somebody else is receiving you. And, that is so and true. The truth of the matter is, is like, I don't care how they're receiving me. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Like, how do I feel in this that's outfit? What am true. I trying to convey? We don't need to go anywhere beyond that. Like, that's where it ends. So if I, you feel that way, be yeah. badass. Wear that pleather. I love that. I need to write that, like, quote down somewhere. I will make t-shirts. If you t-shirts feel that way, and... be badass. Wear that pleather. I need that, like, on my mirror in the bathroom yes, when I wake I up every to... single morning. Please. Um, make it. it a mantra. Yeah, so I think that... And so then I wear a lot of like very feminine, high femme clothing. I generally, when we're not in pandemic times and doing everything at home, I am like always try to be dressed and making a statement with my clothing. So yeah, so I think that like my fashion is pretty intentional in terms of being like very feminine and a little retro and like a little bit punkish in some ways. So Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. I do love that. I want to go back to what we were talking about before the break. So being a queer person, being a queer femme, what do you do with your clothing to say, you know, because you can be perceived as heterosexual, do you think you're doing things with your clothing to convey, I am queer? I think that with any outfit, I am taking what is conventionally feminine and, I don't know, turning up the volume to an 11 at any time. So (laughs) I try to wear, I love a matching set Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit over the top. Whatever I'm doing, I'm taking like the whatever the standard level of femininity would be, if you will. I'm like 
pumping Turning it. out the volume? Uh, yes, exactly. If somebody is wearing, like, a neutral lip color to work, I'm going to wear bright red lipstick. If, Fabulous. like, if someone's going to wear one necklace, I'm going to wear five. If someone's <laughs> going to wear, like, I don't know, a dangly earring, I'm going to wear ones that are, like, at my shoulders. You know, I think it's, like, Fabulous. really trying to just pump it up a whole lot. And then the other thing for me, like, my hair has also been a huge extension of this. Right now, my hair is back to kind of a brownish auburn color, but for a couple of years, it was, like, bright pink. And again, taking that, like, whatever it, like, would be a feminine hair color, I suppose, and, like, pumping it up a little bit, just so that it's, like, a little bit more countercultural almost, or people can see the intention, or that you just, like, pop out a little bit more in the crowd. So I think that is the way, when I think of, for me, femme identity, that's how it plays out in, in a lot of the clothing that I wear. And I also have to say, like, when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking of all, again, back to the 90s, all of the fashion that has really inspired me. I was also thinking, like, the movie Clueless, which is, again, having a huge moment. Yeah. And even, like, I think of, like, Gwen Stefani, and I think of the movie The Craft, and I think of, yeah. like, Lil' Kim's color blocking. Yeah. Like, to me, yeah. that those are all such intentional displays of, like, femininity and style that's, like, really bold. And so I feel like, to me, that's not just like any trendy feminine person walking around. Like to me, that's like those pack a punch and they're trying to say something in the world. Oh, I love it. Do you think that what you're doing to communicate being queer is something that you've seen done with other femmes or is this something that you've come to on your own? So the turning up of the volume in terms of how you dress and what you do, is that something that you internally decided that you would do to communicate that queerness or have you seen it? I have definitely seen it. And there are people who I draw a lot of inspiration from and who I just think are really incredible. So in particular on Instagram, I follow Nicolette Mason, who is a femme who's involved in fashion. I follow Alok, who does a lot of work around non-binary identity and who takes really amazing fashion photos. I also think of someone like Janet Mock, who is just super super stylish and Mm -hmm. like rocking magazine covers. And I definitely, I look at these other femmes who are also just doing really amazing visibility work in the world and for LGBTQ people. And so I definitely think that I am so inspired by them and their fashion and also the way that like for them, they all post photos of their outfits and their fashion and they're just really inspired about it. And also like I think it's a way of taking up space in the world as well for folks who normally aren't encouraged to take up space. So yeah, definitely there are people who inspire me, who I learn from, who I just look to and I think are really amazing. And in these times, um, just like make me feel hopeful and, and like make me want to step out and like step up my game with my outfits too. Fabulous. So just a little bit about Femme Erasure because I feel like I can't, stay away from that topic. It's one of my favorite topics. What are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about how you navigate that? I feel like for every femme, obviously, it's different. You know, to me, it speaks to the inability sometimes within the queer community to understand what queerness looks like Mm -hmm. and to respect that it looks so different and it has so many faces. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I've primarily experienced femerature in lesbian centric spaces and I've experienced it as a cis femme who is presumed to be just 
a straight person. I say just a straight person, no shade to the straight people out there, um, (laughs) truly. But I'm just saying that in those spaces, oftentimes I have felt there is a premium or sense of social capital put on more masculine of center folk. And definitely you feel like you have to prove that you belong in those spaces sometimes. And for me, this is very tied to my bi identity because I think a lot of times, particularly I've experienced among lesbians, like a questioning of like, you know, there's so many bad stigmas around being bisexual and ridiculous stereotypes. And so I think, you know, for me, those two things are very much intertwined each other. And actually, I think when I was first really coming out in the New York City scene in my early 20s, I think it actually impacted the clothing that I would wear in those spaces, because I wanted to be like a little bit more masculine, you know, I thought it would like, get more attention or like give me more social capital or get me more noticed if I could wear stuff that was a little bit more masculine. And so I think it's just, you know, it's like one of those things that's a very in community specific to those kinds of spaces. I think the way that it presents itself externally for me is that a lot of times it just means that you end up coming out a lot again yes, as like yes. a cis queer person. You know, people just assume that I'm straight. I think it was hard for my parents when I was coming out because they had a very specific idea of what it meant to be an LGBTQ woman. And mm-hmm. I was not that idea. Right. And it just didn't square for them that like, you could be interested in really feminine stuff, and also be queer. So, so true. So yeah. true. You know, one thing I want to point out something that you mentioned earlier was this whole idea of like, when you first came out, you maybe you were trying to kind of wear more masculine clothing. I've heard of many people doing that almost to communicate queerness in, in this way. And I think there's something very interesting about the settling into an identity that I think is really incredible and I think that doesn't get talked about enough. I know for myself, as somebody who's masculine presenting, when I first came out as more masculine presenting, I thought I had to wear all the suits and all the ties and all the pocket squares and all the things. And Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. I will always love that stuff. It will always be me at a dressy event. But then when I started to own the masculinity in me, Mm. I was able to settle into it in this really great way that meant that I can dress more casually and still feel that masculinity and not feel like I had to communicate it so harshly and so aggressively in what I was wearing. It was as if mm-hmm. if I wasn't wearing a suit and I wasn't masculine presenting and it was like, wow, it doesn't work that way. It's like we can settle into it in this really beautiful way. And I think it sounds like you settled into you with your femininity in the same sort of way because you were like, I'm still queer. Yeah, I'm feminine. I'm queer. I'm still queer. Oh, yeah, definitely. I love your point about that, like sense of self acceptance and self. And when you do have that stronger sense of self, you don't need to try to telegraph it to the world in that way. I totally feel that like, yeah, now I definitely I'm way less concerned about like proving that I'm queer in those spaces, for sure. And then the other thing I think for me, too, is that In my 20s, I started playing roller derby, which really helped me make peace with a lot of my body image stuff. And for a long time, I think you get the message that if you're not a really thin or skinny person, that therefore you should like try to cover yourself up. And roller derby really helped challenge a lot of those ideas and made me feel like I could wear whatever I wanted to wear and that I should be proud of my body no matter what, and wear whatever clothing I wanted to wear. So I also think that that really impacted my style as well, feeling more liberated in that way and accepting of myself in that way to, like, wear the clothing that I wanted to wear and, like, you know, not feel like I had to hide my body in that way. 
Shout out to Roller Derby and Body Positivity. Shout out to Roller Derby, yeah. I'm going to give it a, yeah, shout out to that for sure. Now, I have a couple questions for you. Where are you now in terms of your identity and style? Do you feel like you're rested in one particular presentation or do you feel like it's in flux in some way? Oh, I think that it's definitely based on my mood. I think that I'm always like a little bit of a hard femme. I'm really into like thematic dressing in a way right now. For example, like... I don't know. Have we talked about my love for BTS before? The K-pop we have group not. BTS. Okay, I love BTS. They so. just they have a new video called Dynamite, and it's very like '70s kind of pastel scheme. So it's like sometimes I might be in that kind of mood, and I'll dress that way. Also in the video WAP, there are so many different amazing fashion moments, and so sometimes I also feel like okay, it's an animal print kind of day, or it's like <laughs> a green and purple kind that. of day. So I love the like thematic dressing that's happening all around us and in pop culture and so I feel like the variance for me is in like my mood and where that fits like some days maybe I'm thinking of like the movie The Craft and I'm like I'm gonna be like a witchy gothy type of femme today and other days I'm like I'm gonna be I don't know or something like brighter or you know it just of a different color palette or something like that so I think for me it's like across the board I'm always going for like hard femme always trying to take it to an 11 no matter what I'm doing but then kind of depends on my mood. I think you're having fun with it, and I think that's, that's the key. And I love, love, love that. Remember to have fun with this stuff. Thank it's you. It's great. Like, it, there's a freedom in it. Have fun. It's so wonderful. It's nice to see you having fun, being like, today, animal prints. Yes. Doing all yes, animal prints. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it the so irony, much. The irony of this <laughs> is that you and I, since we have done all these podcasts over Zoom, you only actually ever see me in, like, gym clothes so and a crop true. top. It's actually... <laughs> The, the ridiculous part of this. I swear one day we'll be back I, out in the world. I believe it. Look, Alex, before we were co-hosts, I saw you out in the world doing your thing. You were always dressed Great. impeccably. I already believe you have nothing to prove, my friend. Great. I know about your credible sense of style. Thank you. Just because we're both wearing white t-shirts at, <laughs> every time we're on Zoom <laughs> doesn't mean a thing. Yes. It means nothing, my friend. You have nothing to okay, prove. I, I completely get it. <laughs> Is there a word of advice... A word of advice or any lesson that you would have passed on to your younger self from oh this gosh. place yes. right now? I want to hear. Yes. It would please. definitely be to experiment as much as you want and don't feel pressure to assimilate and conform and that it can be very, very difficult to fight that pressure and wear what you want. But I definitely feel like experiment, evolve, change as much as you want. Sometimes trying to fight conformity and assimilation, it's it feels like you're swimming upstream, but it feels so good when you do. So I think that yes. would be the big thing. And then, and then finally, for me, you know, growing up, sometimes fashion made me feel bad. And again, thinking about the pressure to conform to the most heteronormative, white, thin messages that we get. I think especially back in the 90s around supermodels and at that time and the kind of images we were really exposed to, fashion made me feel bad because it was like, I think a lot of times also about the message that like you're actually not good enough and you should buy this thing to feel better about yourself and the more you conform, you'll feel better. And so for me, I feel like I would also just tell myself fashion and style, it should make you feel good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You could not have ended on a better note. That is incredible. I'd love if everyone could hear that and actually take it into account and actually put it into practice. That Thank was incredible. You. Thank you so much. That is amazing. Alex, it has been such a pleasure speaking to you. I can't even begin to tell you so many nuggets. 
So many quotes coming out of oh, this episode. Thank you. So many. Please tell the TOS audience where they can find you. You can find me at It's Alex Berg on Twitter and Instagram. And my website is also itsalexberg.com. If you have any feels, feel free just to send me a message through any of those platforms. I love hearing from people as well. And I can't thank you enough for having me. This was just such a wonderful conversation. And yeah. I could just keep going and going and going. Well, there might be a part two, my friend, because Very good. I feel like there's always more to talk about. I can't thank you enough for sharing all of this with us today. What wonderful like information, just your process and your style. Thank you so much for giving all of that to us today. And I think this is so valuable for the audience that listens to this podcast. I think there's so much they will get from it. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Please make sure to tune in. We're in this new format, this new season, and we're so thrilled about the guests we're having. Tune in and please listen to what we're doing. I think you're going to love what we're bringing to you at this point. So thank you so much for listening today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Transition of Style. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on our show page at transitionofstyle.com for more information and follow us to share in the conversation on Instagram at transitionofstyle. 